Hello and welcome back to the latest episode of the Master of None podcast. I am your host as always, Stephen Murphy. Joined by the regular rugby crew that is Westy and Sam. We are back after week three of the URC is in the books. Plenty to talk about as well. Uh, but before we get into that, as always, we'll check in with the lads. Westy, you're coming from, you are coming to us from your hometown of Balna. How How is everything in the lovely town of Balna? Yeah, everything's going good. Um, seniors aren't doing great now this year. I've been called down to offer some constructive criticism. Um, I wish. <laughs> no, I'm just over for a few days to visit. Uh, visit my family, uh, see my my niece and all that. So yeah, just a nice few relaxing days. I've had a really busy summer with like weddings and stags and stuff like that. So it's just nice to take a few days off and relax down here. We can we can uh, say from experience, Sam, that Westy is the fun uncle. Uh, he is the uncle that will get on the ground and play with the two-year-old uh, child because they both have the same sort of maturity level, uh, the two-year-old and Westy, so they're both amused by the same things. My niece is five now, so she's far more mature than I am. Yeah, <laughs> she's, she's progressed past all that. She looks down to Westy now. Uh, that's great. Sam, how are you? Good, yeah. A bit sore now. Had the first game in about eight months since we got knocked out of the cup in like the first round last year. The season was over in February, so uh, it was nice to kind of get a run out of the weekend and yeah, play a couple of minutes in what is going to be either my last or my second last season. I don't know if the body's capable of doing this much longer, uh, but it was good. It was good. Good wins. Also, the fact that you're a father and also avid golfer. Avid? Is avid interchangeable with the word shite, is it? Uh, yeah, avid is... It doesn't correlate with skill level. Okay, that's fine, yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, no, it was good. It was good to get a run out. It was a nice day, actually, in fairness. It was in, in Westies County in Mayo. It was up in Westport, beautiful setting for a pitch, but uh, not the nicest of drives. It's a good hour and a half long drive to get to the away match. At least we could field anyway. It was good. More importantly, though, Sam, you made your debut at Scrum Half. I'm here. I'm hearing it was my it was my competitive debut. I played Scrum Half in a preseason friendly last year against Gort. Uh, they were kind of coming back and they hadn't played in a couple of years, so we played them in a preseason friendly, and I'd never played Scrum Half before. Uh, I didn't disgrace myself, but didn't do much. Uh, and then, yeah, I was asked to play again the weekend because we were down, we didn't have a scrum half. So I think just getting me out of anywhere that can, you know, just do any damage is uh, probably the, in the coach's main mind. It's like, just get him away from the action and just, just stop, stop him fucking up royally. Two questions, uh, Weston. I don't know if you want to jump in here, but one, uh, is, it a, is, that, is it a back way of saying that you're small? I took his compliment. Yeah. Because I've been feeling heavy, but Westy comes in with the hard yes. Uh second question, how many box kicks? Didn't box kick at once. I really uh, wanted well, to. What sort of a scrum half are you, Sam? I, re- I really wanted to, but I didn't I didn't I didn't really know how to set it up. So I, You should have done the whole like caterpillar rook, the four guys uh <laughs> extended. Eleven man caterpillar rook, get it going. Back into the twenty two. <laughs> and then the kick goes nowhere. Uh, nah. be, uh, I was raging. Yeah, I really wanted a box kick. I was practicing before the match and all. I didn't get around to doing one. But yeah, I know. We, we fairly had possession anyway, so it was okay. I uh, didn't need to. But next time, next time I'll be box kicking it. Like, I'll do a monster on it. I'll get into their 22 and I'll stick one up just for the crack. <laughs> stick just to throw the cannon on the pigeons. Uh, but he's got the win. That's the main part. So congrats on that. Um, I myself uh, have had some news at the weekend. So I am starting to do a few articles for Sports News Ireland. Uh, on Connacht three a week so there'll be a, a game preview a game review and then a general just sort of piece on a on a midweek just uh, my thoughts and opinions 
my thoughts and opinions went without today and it's a little bit negative I, I won't lie it's on the negative side but there hasn't been a whole lot of positivity to talk about but I see on Facebook it's getting a good few 50-50 uh, comments but Facebook's uh, famous just, for its diplomatic comments it is it is it is uh, and it's yeah, it's fun just to read them but uh, if, yeah, if you if you want to have a look at those they are on sportsnewsireland.com uh, you can go to my socials as well I'll be I'll be linking them there as well but uh, no it's a bit of fun um, I'm very much a novice at it but uh, we'll learn as we go and it's a bit of crack so um, yeah I just wanted to say that before we get into it but we'll get into the rugby boys uh, all provinces in action again we had an interpro to talk about but first of all we'll start of course with our beloved Connacht um, the final game of their South Africa trip uh, to the Bulls uh, coming out on the wrong side of the result 28 points to 14 um, Westy talk us through this game you watched this just just give us your thoughts off the bat yeah I watched it I cried I screamed and I considered leaving and going to the gym at half time because I really just felt like punishment at some point now I'm not one to to, to leave a game or anything like that um, but yeah it was one of the few times in you know, my rugby viewing grade I kind of considered not punishing myself with the rest of it but look at it's it's one of those things where it's not necessarily the result you know if you looked at if you look at that result and know nothing else about the game you're kind of like oh well that couldn't have been that bad right but it, it's the manner in which we're losing these games it's um you know it's the, the whole thing that we say about Connacht and the compound errors has kind of become a parody of itself now because not only are we throwing a stupid pass in midfield that goes to nobody and they pick up a run but then we kick off and it goes to touch and we have a scrum and everyone forgets how to defend Do you know it's kind of just um it's it's no longer little errors piling up. It's these big moments in the game where we're making the wrong decisions and we're, um, you know, it's it, it looks to me like like in one sense I think you said it in your article maybe uh, already, Steve, but it lo- it looks like fifty knots who've turned up to play and are all quite decent players, but have no idea what the other person's going to do. Um, but it, in another sense, it almost looks like they've kind of learnt off something. They've decided to do something in the ten minutes they had together, and they're going to do it regardless. You know, it's it's to me it kind of seems that's actually a fantastic way of putting it. <laughs> they were ambitious in the ten minutes that they met. Like, yeah. um, it's uh, it's almost the opposite of heads up rugby. You know, it's like we're going to throw these passes regardless of the distance between two players. You know, it's like I'm going to shovel this on even though it's half the width of the pitch. Um, so it's frustrating to watch. Where did it go wrong? I think you know normally you look at a game bat and say like, oh, our discipline was quite bad. We gave away. 13 penalties but they gave away 20 penalties so you know you look at these moments and you think um yeah how did we end up in a position where it was a 14 nil possibly could have been 21 nil at half time if we hadn't although i think the decision was right we were lucky that it was brought back on that first try because you, you often don't see that call you often see teams get away with that um but yeah so i think i think there's an issue with a game plan um it hasn't quite come together just yet. And I also think that, as I said earlier, it's individualism and there's a couple of really, really poor decisions that stand out uh, that have really kind of seemed to have pulled us back. So look, maybe it's still in a case of these lads are getting their first game out of the season. Some of them just their first run out. And look, you, you have to remember like these three teams that we've played in the first three games were all semi-finalists last year. They are three of the four best teams in the league and we were away, which apparently we requested our first three games be away while they did up the pitch, which is just ridiculous. Like, how well, I, I, 
I think that was fairly understood though, because the pitch the pitch was being laid and it was going to be a long process. So I think, yeah, I think that that was kind of understood when the fixtures were announced. Yeah, but you said it yourself, like, um, you know, it, it had to be pitched had to be laid. But like, we finished our season in like in May because we didn't, you know, we were out, we weren't in any knockout games. So there there was time to start this stuff early. Like, I don't really see how it had to come this far into the season. But look at, like, I I agree with you. I don't. Uh, I don't see why, but I, there there has to be a reason. There's because they started digging as soon as the, the season was over. There's no reason like they let the, the the club finals go, which were scheduled in, and then they did it. Uh, what I would have probably preferred is to not done that and to just accepted a couple of games in Dubarry Park or something. You know, early season just said to the league, we can't play in sports ground, but we have access to Dubarry Park, or you know, maybe even looked at Pier Stadium or something uh, instead of requesting all away games because that has ended up sharpness. But yeah, it's. It seems far as good, but there's no way like the Connacht, Connacht haven't done that on purpose. I think that 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 that's the timeline that the, the timeline existed. I think as well the thoughts of going to a South Africa trip early was probably more was more desirable than going late in the year. Yeah, I think because you know last year what they won one out of the first seven games. Some of that South African teams this year I think they've won like they've won all bar one or two. I think so. Uh, we timed that badly, but I know what you mean, Westy. It's it was far from ideal. Yeah, look, you might have had the thought that the rugby championship was on, so it's probably a good time to go to South Africa and have these fixtures. And again, like, uh, I mean, I kind of said last week about the Stormers, maybe we were never going to win it because it looked like they had more. And it kind of similar to Bulls. The Bulls kind of shut off after they got those two tries. They were like, oh, we have this. Um, but at the same time, like, yeah, we can say they had more in them, but they didn't play it. So it's like, on one hand, they do feel like missed opportunities to take points away from games. And if you look at the likes of look at the likes of Munster, who have, you know, like we'll get to the Munster game, but who have lost their two opening games, but they're, you know, they they have got two points from them. You know, so now there's they have six points in the league and they've off to a bad start. But that's that's enough to have them mid table. So um, again, look, I know it's it's three of the four most difficult teams in the league to play. It's not going to get a lot easier, you know, in the next two weeks with Munster and Leinster, but. Um, it's frustrating that we've come away from nothing because I, I, I said that last week and we said at the end of last season that it, it is the not taking these points that's going to kill us. And I read something, I think it was actually maybe just after the Stormers game, we're on average conceding 26 points a game, which is probably more now. So that means that we have to be scoring four tries to have a chance at winning games. You know, it's just a worrying statistic to be looking down the barrel off. And our attack looks like it looked like it's gone backwards a little bit from last year too, but... Um... Sam, the, the, obviously a lot of the questions are about who's to blame for this. Is it coaching? Is it is it players? Uh, look, at the coaches obviously deserve some of the flack as well, but they're, they made changes. I think it was seven changes from last week in, in this team, and there's players that are coming are still making errors. They're still knocking the ball on, still not making the right decisions. At the end of the day, the players have to take a lot of the flack for this as well, right? I think so, and I think, yeah, Friendy, I think that's the first time I've ever heard Friendy uh, not quite positive after a game he was very like blunt in his assessment of it and I think he, he laid that down on the players there's players that came in that had a chance to shine and there were some really silly errors that were reminiscent of errors in the last few games as well so there's no way that in my mind that this doesn't land mostly on the players the systems you know fair enough if the system's not working they seem to be kind of buying into it but making individual errors there was a lot of lineouts just didn't go to hand there was three or four, maybe five or six trips into the 22. And we just didn't, did nothing with the ball. You know, we weren't adventurous enough. And then as soon as we start kind of trying to play adventurous, the same with the Stormers game, stuff starts to happen a little bit. You know, as soon as we kept it alive and kind of were more reminiscent of Connacht of old, uh, we started to get ground in the game. And I know that was against 13 at 1.14 for about half an hour of the game, but it did look a little bit better for periods in the second half. 
there's the individual errors that are absolutely killing us. And I don't lay the blame on the coaches. And I know that there is questions to be asked the coaching because coaches have to get the players into the right mindset and they have to put the players on the pitch. But there's there's gaps there. In, in my mind, there's no way a professional coach has those gaps available, you know, off the back of rooks and off the back of lineouts and malls. They are players losing concentration, following the ball, not keeping their heads up. There's, you know, pass is not going to hand. Don't want to be too critical of a pass that didn't go to hand, especially Portuguese one, because I know it's a ridiculous pass, but it looked like the right thing to do at the time. He, it really looked like we were trying to keep the ball alive and get it wide and try and get it outside of that, that uh, quick bursting defensive line, which was really putting us under pressure and hitting us back. And we just didn't had no, had no go forward ball at all. And when you have no go, go forward ball, regardless of if you have 60% possession or not, you're just not going to do anything with it. So yeah, it was a frustrating, frustrating watch, but on the whole, I think that the individual errors that could be coming from a coaching point of view, they might not be as cohesive because the coaches aren't getting the message across properly and people are still trying to figure out what they're trying to do. Uh, so I don't want to completely blame players or completely blame coaches, but yeah, in my mind, that it's the, it's the individual errors. And I think Friendy called that out and it's not like Friendy really to call out individual errors and call out moments. So I do think I, I believe him and I take that at face value. And I think that, you know, if it is individual errors, it's trainable out of it. And we also have, you know, a couple of good lads to come back and a couple of lads that stayed at home for that South Africa trip. So, you know, going into Munster, you could have the likes of an Adam Byrne coming in. You will have the likes of Jack Carty coming in. I thought Farrell and Ralston were a very good centre partnership against uh, Stormer. So we be excited to see that again. Daly, brilliant player. Love him to bits. Really glad he signed on for the next two years. But I thought that that was, he wouldn't be overly chuffed with his game. Personally, it's a couple of very uncharacteristic errors, especially defensively, where he's usually quite strong. And then from the get-go, you know, he's not, not, uh, executing a kick right and giving them access into the 22. Those all just compound and just kept compounding. And so the first 10 minutes, I think the belief was gone. Regardless of what happened at the end, if we had miracle got a losing bonus point against 13 at the end there, it would have been an absolute snatch and grab job because we didn't deserve it. Uh, on the whole, they were much better. They took the foot off the gas when they were 21 points up and they just they didn't really have to try and they just conserved their energy. I'd say a few of the box were like, keep the energy. We've, been, we've put in a big shift the last couple of months in training with the box and stuff. So yeah, really, really frustrating. But like I did say, there is there is points in that second half where it looked much better. There is some positives to take out of the game. I know it's hard to find them in a third defeat like that, but there is positives there. And, you know, we can we can build on them. And I think that if you take the positives from the three games, the small amount of positives there are, put them, amalgamate them together, get a bit of relief going, get the first night under the floodlights in the new, on the new pitch in the sports ground. I think it'll all add up to a team that can push Munster and beat Munster because Munster don't look like they're up to much even, even with a bonus point win or even with a not a bonus point win sorry a win against everybody's points on the board yeah I think uh, I listened to Craggy today and it was very good but the the Andy Friend yeah the first kind of sentence he said was he was upset but definitely he's like you know we spoke before the game saying like not to give them entry into our 22 like in terms of lineups and platforms he's like because that's where they their bread and butter and they kicked off and we kicked the ball straight out and then gave them immediately a platform to come straight into our 22 and it's just like when that stuff happens you you really are scratching your head like what the hell is are the players just forgetting everything they're he- like they hear before they go out is it just a kid i don't it's, it's generally a head scratcher and like we are not uh, a negative podcast, you know. We're we're, all, we're we won't entertain any Andy Friend has to go conversations here because it's absolutely ridiculous, um, and no no criticism on any player is ever personal here. But at the same time, we can't avoid what's staring us in the face here. Um, Westy, we look at the Bulls are a hugely physical team, but is Connacht a less physical team than last year? Do you think, or is it just a bad run of form because? We won very little, if at any, collisions on Friday night. I wouldn't say we're less 
physical. Um, I think maybe it's just a part of our game plan we haven't necessarily got right yet. Um, you know, you say we didn't have a lot of go forward, but like we're also not necessarily been thrown back five or six meters. Like when we have good faith, and again, like someone like Dylan Tierney Martin said to me last week against the Stormers that he actually he was getting go forward balls. So, like there are players there that can. I, I thought, like I think Josh Murphy is is a good find for us. I think his work rate's really high, and same with Mac and Porchy. I think their work rates are phenomenal. It's, for some reason, it's just not coming together in a kind of in a cohesive game plan just yet. Um, you know, you're also comparing physicality against the most physical opponents you can come up against, which is the South African teams. And um, you know, Bulls and Stormers are are you know after a really good start on the whole. You know, it's not just us that they've had good uh, good performances against. So. Um, I think it's a tough measure to go against. And, you know, it's, I always find this one a tough one to, to, to resolve. But, you know, a lot of these guys are just out of a Springboks camp. So they're probably really kind of amped up on energy and stuff. You know, I think it can go either way where some of these players are quite drained from it. But again, if you were in and out of the camp and, you know, the, the, the rugby championship was quite disjointed this year. You know, they had a lot of two games in a week off and two games in a week off and kind of um, quite drawn out. So a lot of those players are, are probably still pretty fresh because they also rotated the squad quite a lot. So um, I don't know if we're more or less physical than last year. I think, yeah, based off the, these games, maybe it's a worry that we're, we've gone back a step, but I think, I just don't think we've gotten a great picture of it just yet. You know, I think one thing that has improved, like I think our scrum seemed to hold pretty well for a lot of the weekend, our defensive mall, I think again, I'll say has improved a lot over the last two years. Like, when it was on time and not early. Yeah, yeah. Well, see, there you go. But th- that that's the little areas I'm saying creeping in. Is like three times in a row we were pinged for hitting the player before he was on the ground. Like, I know you have to work on your timing and stuff, but after the first one, you know, you know your internal count's not working. So you have to you have to give them an extra second because you have to watch your man come, or not watch your man come down, but watch the ground and watch for his feet to hit. And that's when you engage, you know? We look like we're lined up in such a good position. You know, the, the strong arms are out. We're almost binding onto them waiting for him to come down, but we're tackling him, we're taking his legs out in the air and he's falling back over us. You know, it's just this silly kind of, uh, it's this new problem we're creating for ourselves, you know? To, to quote the great George Bush, fool me, can't get fooled again. Go fool me, fool me twice, fool me twice. Fool me, can't fool me, fool me. Yeah, like it's, I know what you mean, Wes. Yeah, like I looked at the stats and I was like, if you didn't watch the game, these stats would be like, wow, Connacht probably won pretty well, didn't they? Like it's, more possession, uh, way more defenders beaten, more offloads, more territories, less tackles, less missed tackles, higher tackle success. It's And it's just like, you know, at the same time, though, again, and Craig, they made a good point. If that referee was less, was more lenient in terms of the breakdown, it could have been 40, 40 50 points that the Bulls put up. Do you know what I mean? Like, he was very, he was pinging everything at the breakdown, and it worked in Connick's favour in, in some parts of it, but it was, 28-14 is extremely flattering to what yeah. we saw on Friday night. So flattering. And what worries me the most, uh, and you, you know me, I kind of look on the bright side of life at all times, but what worried me the most in this and from the back of last season is our inability to capitalise. Uh, we had so many penalty opportunities. We went to the corner. We, you know, we didn't take advantage. We, they went down to 14. And in my mind, I was like, just put points on board, get the ball back for nine more minutes, then go down. Don't go into the corner and waste four of these minutes. And they did. They went into the corner. They went up, got pinged again, went in the corner again, got dragged into touch. And that's a turnover ball and they get a clearance. That sort of decision-making when we have an extra man, I think is criminal and not taking advantage of countless amount of penalties, not being in the ref's ear about the amount of penalties as well. Cause I know that they had 30 minutes of 14 men uh, 10 of that was with 13, but you know, they probably should have had another yellow card considering the amount of infringements they had in the first half. 
no one was in his ear about it. So it's, you know, it's, there, there's too far in the ref's ear, like Bundy last week, but then there's also, you have to be in his ear as well. As a captain, you have to step up there and tell him uh, that, you know, that's nine or 10 times in a row now in the first half and they've done it. So it, it worries me that Connick, we have an inability to play against 14. We regularly concede against 14, which is shocking. Uh, and it's happened a few times where we've not just taken the points when they've been given to us, when we have a penalty to get the ball rolling and then, you know, realize that if you kick the, the points within 30 seconds, uh, 60 seconds of getting a yellow card, you have nine more minutes to then go down and get your second penalty. And that's another three points or your try. And that's another five to seven. So you know, we, we waste four minutes of every yellow card trying in the corner and it not working. And it's, it's really frustrating as a fan there because it's so easy to climb back up a, scoreboard by t- tipping them over you know you, you start off 21 down 21 three down 26 and you get, you gradually get back into it and their belief starts to wane as well and they start to go oh geez these lads are getting a foothold and then a try scores and you're you're within a score of them i don't think we use yellow card uh 10 minutes or 20 minutes or 30 minutes of having an advantage as well at all and it's been you know it's been a problem since midway through last season as well yeah um, no, hundred percent. But look, we'll we'll try and put a positive spin on it. We'll talk about what we what we did like, what we saw. I thought Kieran Marmion had a fantastic game. I thought he showed us again why he's probably one of the most underrated, if not the most underrated scrum half in the country. And also, I was very impressed by the small cameo of Colin Riley off the bench. Um, I thought he looked fantastic. He's he's bigger than I thought he was. He was punchy. He was getting like feisty in 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 areas which I loved. Especially coming on to a game like that where it was pretty much a dead ringer, um, which is you know a good sign for like if one of either Blade or Marmion leaves at the end of this year because both of their contracts are up, if if that's what's coming true, then I'm I'm not as scared about that prospect if if Colin Riley's coming true there, which is fantastic to see. But Westy, any positives you want to throw out uh, from the from the game? Yeah, well, one one thing I kind of I've noticed when I saw a stat and I say I think it was maybe the least had put up like when Irish teams are scoring their points, and one really interesting thing now. We have to caveat it by saying that, you know, Bulls were down to 13 men, but we seem to be scoring a lot of points in the second half, and particularly in the last quarter of the game. I think we've scored something like three tries in the first three games in the last quarter. Now, based on a Which problem, is polar opposite yeah, to last season. Exactly. So, like, based on the problem we had last season of not being able to close out these big games. Now, look, if it happened in these three games, there wasn't really too much to fight for necessarily, you know, maybe fighting for the losing bonus point in, in, in the Bulls game, but... To, to see that we're able to score in the dying minutes of the game is promising. Like that is something that, you know, has changed. So whether we can do that now, whether we can keep it competitive and still do that it remains to be seen. But the fact that we're able to score these points towards the end of the game, I mean, I'm, I'm liking what I'm seeing in, in our, our commitment to it and our staying in the game, staying in the fight, because that is one of the, one of the most important things for a team like us to be able to do is to stay in that fight. And it will happen that we'll stay in that fight and we will get into one of these positions in the game and we'll steal a win. And it'll be, you know, it'll be a great day. Sam, you are, you are the captain positivity on this, on this podcast. And uh, Josh, this is actually the, the most down I've seen you after a game. And you're normally much more, uh, much more positive than this. But uh, what did you, if you could name one positive from Friday? I thought, like you said, Marmion and Westy mentioned earlier, Mac and Porch. I thought Mac tried his hardest to get it going. Uh, he really did come in and try to get himself involved a lot. I thought it was an up and down game for Hawkshaw, but I definitely saw elements of Hawkshaw's game that I was really impressed with and excited to see more of. Uh, and then the, the biggest positive for me is quite similar to what Westy was saying, the fight until the very end. But I think Jack Anger, albeit we've lost two games, has had two very positive cameos uh, coming off the bench, scoring two tries in the last two games so I've been really impressed with that because he's someone that's you know he came with a really high 
uh, amount of potential. Leinster fans were not happy that he left. I'm pretty sure Leo Cullen wasn't happy that he left it with Roman Salano at the same time. Uh, and he hadn't massively kicked on. He hadn't shown his full potential. But I think, yeah, if he keeps having impacts like that, like Westy said, it'll, one of them will be a game winner and it'll be huge. Uh, if he has impacts like that, I'm happy days. If he has impacts like his impact in the Aviva Stadium last year against Leinster, I won't be overly shocked. Well, I think we, we said on that, after that game, we said he went back from Angers to Angers. I think now we can put him back into the Angers character. Angers, yeah. Nice. He's Angers. Congrats uh, to Jack Angers on that, by the way. Yeah, really. I have been impressed with him the last two weeks. And, you know, it, it makes... It gives you a lot of faith in, you know, Heffernan's playing there, but you have Grant Stewart on the bench. And I thought he had okay when he came on tried to make himself a bit busy and that was his debut uh Julie Angier and then Dylan Tierney Martin I think has the starting spot when he comes back so that's you know having a bit of depth in the front row is definitely a positive to come out of us there, there there are small little green shoots that we can take from all these games I know it's been a really tough ride the last few weeks but I think if you put it into context of where we thought we would be after five games the start of this season where a lot of people said we would be I don't think we're far off it I don't think we were ever really destined to get more than two points from the opening three or four, uh, I had a lot of faith in maybe getting a win or two in South Africa, thinking that their box would be gone, but they all came back just in time. Uh, and I was looking it up because I know this is one of the stadiums at altitude. It's the stadium at the highest altitude. It's 1,300 or something meters off the ground. The highest point in Ireland is 1,030. Off the ground is a fantastic way of saying that. <laughs> Above sea level. <laughs> like they're in a hot air balloon or something. <laughs> it's, it, it's higher than the highest point in Ireland. They played a game of rugby up there. Like, I got out of breath climbing Crow Patrick like on a nice tim- like tame summer's afternoon. But uh, those lads played a game of rugby. Fair play to them. I don't know how anyone does it. Yeah, no, that's a good point, actually. We didn't really get brought up enough. But um, also shout out to Kieran Boot and Grant Stewart for making their debuts. Um, Kieran Boot is part of the Monday Night Club, who provides a catchy tune to start and the end of this podcast. So uh, congrats to them. Obviously, it would have been nice to do it with a win. But look at your debut, your debut. We'll look ahead to the Munster game this Friday, lads. Uh, Rugby back in sports ground. Uh, I know we're all delighted about that new pitch, but I will say one thing. I want I want to hear one thing out of out of the camp this week that lead leading up this game. I want to hear like you know Connor Oliver had a bust up with Mac Hansen over something. I want someone to punch someone in the face just so that it's like all right, okay. There's obviously something going on here. A bit of a bit of a bit of a bit of I don't know aggression or something. Be like yeah, the lads are pissed off about this. That's all I want. And Connor Oliver. It's probably the prime target to do that, just from watching them on the pitch. Uh, but that's what I want to hear. But look, at, we'll see. The press conference is tomorrow. I don't know if they'll address it. <laughs> um, first of all, Sam, you're not at the game this weekend. Is that correct? I have to go to a wedding. Well, it's actually it's in, it's in Kildare, I think. But uh, I'm going back to Dublin Friday evening to go to a wedding on Saturday morning. So, unfortunately, missing the first game of the season in the, on the new pitch, an Interpro. It's, I know that the opening's couple of fixtures for the... Uh, for Connacht have been really, really tough. But one thing that we don't take into consideration is these Interpros are big money makers, and having the two of them so early in the season, I think, is also like a bit of a downer for Connacht. You know, you want to spread them out throughout the season. I like the little Christmas period where you get two of them in, but I think having their first two home games being two Interpros and then them all being done by January is actually quite tough on Connacht. Even just from a marketing point of view, it's it's a big sales thing. It brings people to the city. People come from all around the province to come to these games. They come, you know, from abroad or from Dublin if they're living there to come to these games. That's just two weeks in a row and it'll be done. So I think that's actually kind of a downer. If, if the season fizzles out, they're not going to be able to rely on a big, you know, a big turnout just for the fact that Monster, Leinster, Ulster come to town. So that's, that's quite frustrating. But 
even more frustrating is the fact I can't go to this one. Uh, I wouldn't be half as down about it if, <laughs> if I was able to go. But yeah, me and me and the Westicles are going. Um, little date night for me and him. Uh, but we are yeah, genuinely though, all kidding aside, fantastic to have Ruby back in sports ground with that new pitch and against Inter Pro against Munster. It should be Westy a fantastic occasion uh, on Friday night. Yeah, well, look, no matter what, I'm really excited to get back to the sports ground for a match. I think. I hope it's something that I never forget from COVID is how much I miss just going down and watching Connacht. We win, lose, or draw 20 points or 50 points or two points in the game. I don't care. Like, I love the sports ground. I love being in a main stand. I love hearing the roar across the stadium from the clan stand. Like, it's such a fantastic place to be. Um, you know, even, even in a piss and rain or whatever it happens to be, um, I'm just delighted to be going again. And I think, look, I, I think it's a pretty... I think it was always going to be a pretty tasty affair. Like there's, there hasn't been a lot between us and Munster uh, in the games that we've played in the last couple of years. You know, they've both been quite, the, la- the two last year were both quite close. Um, tasty as well. Yeah. And it, there's always been a bit of bite in them. So um, regardless of the opening results, I think this was always going to be a good game, but it's kind of an extra layer of interest in it now because both provinces have had quite a slow start. So it'll be interesting to see, um, if Munster revert to type like they kind of did against Zebra where they kind of go back to up the jumpery stuff um, and try and dig out a win um, and I'm kind of really interested to see how we go on a new pitch because like we're going to have one training session on that pitch this week and then we're going to have to play on it like you know I know Mac has said they've been training they did a few training sessions up in Craig's on that AstroTurf but like I mean it's, it's very tough to get used to that that artificial surface and you know Munster just played down in, in Cork at the weekend on an artificial surface, so they'll be a little bit more ready to use it than we will. So it'll be interesting how we adapt. It'll be interesting to see how the two teams manage their game plans. And as always, it'll just be great fun to be back in the sports ground without Sam as well. Like that's great. Oh, not nothing beats the Sam not being there. Uh, right. <laughs> just look Our at the stuff. just look at the weather forecast here. It's given a dry evening on Friday, but windy. But let's I hope be honest, it's, rainy it's got to change. That's definitely got to change. But no, look, we are we're buzzing. No matter just even how bad it looks at the moment, and Connacht historically do get up for these interpros. They've had the uh, you know the last two years they've had a pretty good go at Munster. They won one last year, should have won the other one, got robbed down Tomond. So they're not going to fear Munster, especially now at the moment with the way they're playing. So um, I'm quietly confident about that game. But we'll wrap up the Connacht stuff there, lads. We'll move on to uh, the Interpro that was on the weekend. Ulster Leinster was right on after the Connacht game. I actually didn't watch his live because I was just kind of... I was a bit of a sulky mood and just didn't want to be doing anything like that. So, uh, But uh, good game. Leinster coming out on top, uh, 20 points, 13 um, in a pretty uh, rotten weather up in Belfast, but Sam Ulster will be probably kicking themselves they didn't get more out of this game, right? Uh, at the end, yeah, I think that they will have. They would have at the time, you know, thought that they somehow managed to sneak back into it. I think that when Jason Jenkins went off, the the game changed, and Ulster were able to kind of start clawing their way back into it. But then, yeah, with the Sexton, the drop, the the Charlie Natai kind of uh, tackle that force that drop I think they will be kicking themselves in the end that they didn't take advantage of the upper trajectory they got themselves on towards you know in the second half and towards the end there so all in all I think Leinster will be relieved to get out of it and Ulster will be a bit disappointed but when they look back at it I just don't think they were good enough to start and that was probably their issue I think Leinster were just allowed to dominate and probably should have been further ahead themselves uh not for the the elements making it a very difficult game and it being a hard-fought game. I think Leinster would have wanted to maybe be a little bit further ahead and then take the foot off the gas instead of what happened, which was when Jason Jenkins came off, it all kind of capitulated and also really managed to get themselves on top then. 
Um, yeah, you mentioned Jenkins there. It's amazing how quickly he has made an impact into this Lancer team. Like he, as you said, when he came off, they looked like a different team. Wes, are you surprised that he's made such a quick impact, or is are we just sort of tainted by his time at Munster? Yeah, like I guess it's tough. Like I, I never really felt like I got a full picture of him at Munster because he just wasn't available to play for them. You know, they they were very unlucky in that sense uh, for him. And I, I in that I, I was quite shocked when it was announced he was going to Leinster. Because again, he hadn't really been on display as much as you would think, you know, as, as you would think they would have needed to to, to to get him in. But no, that they've said for a good few many years now that like what they were missing was kind of an enforcer, a big, you know, there was talk of them getting Ebenezer or somebody like that in to fill a gap in the second row because they need so many foreign imports because their academy is so poor. Um, but yeah, that they, they got they get to play him this weekend. Yeah. Well, hopefully that'll be great to see. Um, but yeah, Jenkins is really kind of is really providing a mushier role to them, and it seems to kind of revitalize their attack. I mean, Sam said it, kind of half said it there as well. Like with with the conditions being so bad, I think Munster got lured, or Ulster got lured into a kind of a, a dogfight, and it's not the way they wanted to play the game. I don't think it was it hasn't been how they've been playing their games all season. And that up the jumper mall in the corner, that really suited Leinster. And, and Jenkins seems to be a big driving force in that and really shoring up that driving mall and really kind of pushing their pack on. And then, of course, we've got Dan Sheen at the back, who's just fucking bloody brilliant. Um, so it's it seems like it's not that the game is built around Jenkins or anything, because it's the same way they've been playing anyway, or that they have had they have been able to play in other seasons. But it's definitely he's definitely a kind of cog that they were again, I don't want to say missing, but definitely he's really started in really well into a role that they kind of needed. Do you think that that's a worry though then for Leinster uh, in the long run and for Ireland in the long run because the person that comes on for him is uh, James Ryan, who everyone, he was the great white hope for so long. We we spoke about it before. He was out of form for quite a while. He was really good at the start, but what he's not is that enforcer role uh, and what we don't have is that enforcer role. They have Jason Jenkins, who's not Irish. Uh, and then when he came on, they were noticeably weaker in that area. And that is an area where they have been beaten in at the business end of the season in the past. And probably the only real part of the pitch that you think Ireland could be properly got at as well in when it comes to World Cup time at the moment, they look really secure everywhere else on the pitch. But that that's having, you know, that step down, it being James Ryan being who is you know, quite integral to Ireland and to Leinster. Is, is that a worry for them, do you think? Or is it just the fact that, you know, he, he had a bit of a knock the week before as well and that just kept going? I don't know if it's a worry for them. Like I, I've always thought of Ryan as, as a different player. Like Ryan is is a real workhorse. Like he's more of a mobile second row. He's getting around the pitch. He's, he does a lot that you don't see. You know, it's a lot of that grunt work that doesn't garner a lot of praise quite often. Um, in terms of Ireland, Ireland, I think the only player we kind of have that's close to that kind of enforcer role is probably Ian Henderson. Um, I would hope to see him get fit and get a good run of games. I think he'll be really important come the World Cup. Um, I wouldn't be too surprised if you see someone like John Klein back in an Ireland conversation because, again, it's as you say, it's a role that we don't really have anybody to fill because I also love Ty Byrne in the second row. But I think Ty Byrne, well, I don't maybe this is going to be, I think Ty Byrne does that kind of James Ryan role, but does a little better because he's just so dangerous around the ball. So I thought maybe, Treadwell was excellent as well. Yeah, well, I mean, that's probably the reason they're bringing Treadwell in. But um, I think there's a bit of a drop off between Henderson and, and Treadwell, obviously. Um, and I think Klein might be that kind of that little bridge in the middle that kind of gives Treadwell. And Treadwell's not young, but like might, just might give him a little more time to get up to where he needs to be. Because I think I think Ryan and Byrne are kind of a similar style. Ryan's a little bit more mobile, uh, maybe you say a little bit more accurate at times. 
but I just think Byrne is so dangerous and he's probably that little bit of a better carrier. So um, I, I think, I find it strange that Ryan is coming on to replace Jenkins because I don't see them as the same type of player at all. What about a late season release of Joe Joyce so he can join Connacht a little bit early for our end of season push for European yeah, rugby? Yeah, I keep forgetting get into he's the Irish, coming. Get into the <laughs> Irish fold before the World Cup, available for Ireland for the World Cup. No one sees it coming. Who says no? Who says no? Nobody. Probably uh, Bristol. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're the only one who doesn't benefit from this. Uh, interesting little I don't know, caveat of all this was obviously the... Aaron Sexton not scoring the try later on. It was a fantastic cover tackle. He should have had another arm. Yada yada yada. Interesting little though part of this is that if Balakoon was there, who would but in that spot, uh, not on the Emerging Ireland tour, is that a try? Is this a game total different results? Sam, you're shaking your head. I don't. I've I've heard that said a couple of times. Aaron Sexton, by all accounts, is the fastest rugby player in Ireland. Like he was, he, he was close to Olympic standard sprint, sprinter. Uh, it's probably a little bit faster. Maybe Balakoon has a little bit more upstairs and knows to have it in the, the right side of him. But I think Aaron Sexton gets himself in that position. And it's only for, I know it's an amazing cover tackle, but 99% of the time that cover tackle just falls. You just fall down over the line with the player. You know, it, it comes off and it's an amazing piece of skill by him. And it's really unlucky by Aaron Sexton. Probably should have had a little bit more wherewithal to have it in the right hand. But I don't think I don't think it changes the game significantly to have Balakoon there instead of Aaron Sexton. I think... You know, he did. It wasn't the right thing. You're taught the basic skills of having it on the outside arm, but you, you see that just coming to nothing so often. Those cover tackles, the amount of times you've fallen over there, you've seen players fall over the line, hugging the player with the ball of scoring the try, and just it doesn't work out like that. So I just think it was just a big series of unfortunate events for Aaron Sexton, but he'll learn from it, and I don't think you'll ever see him make that mistake again. I just think it was, it's just interesting because, yeah, like Balakoon made on that Emerging Island. We'll talk about the Emerging Island later on because I, I did, we did, I watched the first half before it froze and then I actually had to do some work. But, um, do you know who was really good for Ulster? Future Scottish great John Cooney. Uh, but Westy, like, I think we forgot again, we forget all the time, similar with Marmion. John Cooney's fucking good at rugby, isn't he? He was brilliant the other night and he's, the whole Scottish thing's fun. I hope it'd be fun if it actually happens. I don't know if it will, but, um, like, uh, will we look back in years and be like, why did Cooney not play more for Ireland? I think we're, I'm, I'm already looking back at the last kind of three or four years and wondering how Cooney didn't play more for Ireland. You know, like, um, it now just so happens that, like, see, first off, I don't think anybody is going to say that Gibson Park is the best scrum half in the country. But what he is, is he really fits into a system very well. He does the job that's asked from him very well. And he's probably the best scrum half at filling the nine shirt for Ireland the way we need it now. Um, if I was talking about the best overall player on his day, I mean, look, it's hard to say Cooney off a loss at the weekend, but Jesus, like he's been great in the opening rounds of this tournament. Like he, he is an international standard nine. He's just, I mean, again, a nine is in the position that Ireland should be anyway worried about because we've got, you know, even we, we've got Gibson Park, we've got uh, the likes of maybe Marmion, uh, and then the youngers, we've got like, we've still got Murray, we've got Casey, we've got Doak, we've got all these talents and Blady as well. You know, there's, there's a group there that could do a job for you if you need them. Um, so he's kind of unfortunate in that like Ireland are pretty well covered in scrum halves. But yeah, on his day, I think he's still probably consistently the best for, for his province, let's say. Um, so I think it's shocking that he hasn't got more international accolades. Now, whether that's just because he doesn't fit into whatever game plan we've been trying to play the last few years, if that's it, then that's fair enough. But I mean... Anytime I've heard him talk about it, he sounds like he's frustrated by it. And if an offer came along next year to 
go to Glasgow for a load of money and play for Scotland in the Six Nations, I think even for shits and giggles, like if you're 33, 34, you're like, ah, oh, yeah, why not? I'll give it a couple of years and see how it goes. You know, like it's... You wouldn't even have to go to Glasgow. They, they don't have a... They wouldn't no, they have to. Have they might like to. Do. You know, his, his contract is up as well at the end of the season. That's just the only reason I say it. I say, what about Cooney and Ben Healy for Scotland against Ireland? Oh, God. Well, I wouldn't be too fearful of Healy, but I definitely would be fearful of Cooney. But... Um, uh, news obviously broke today of Stockdale is going for a scan for another injury, but it's the other other uh, leg, I think, isn't it? The other side of the body than the than his the one that kept there for so long. So that's one positive, I suppose. But obviously, you know, Ulster fans and fans around Ireland don't want to see him go down any longer again. So I think you mean it's a positive that it's the other ankle, not a positive he's going for a scan. Just in yes, case anyone takes my I assume that was taken uh, as I meant it. Yeah, sorry. It's positive that it's not the injury that had him out for so long but uh, let's hope that he gets good news on that scan because it's great to see him back playing rugby and good for Ulster and uh, you know could be good for Ireland as well so um, we'll move on to uh, Munster lads Munster back in winning ways 21 points of 5 against Zebra uh, this game was uh, not great to watch first half was decent but then the second half sum this game up I think is I, I refreshed my memory this game by watching the highlights and the video was six minutes long. Five minutes of that video was the first half. The entire second half was encapsulated by one minute of YouTube highlights. And that was, I think, the Zebra try, was it? Um, so, yeah, look, a monster back, I said, they got the win. Sam, they'd probably still again, though, be pretty disappointed by the, the performance in here. Not scoring for the entire second half. Or even more than that, I think, was it 50, 60 minutes? Um, not, still, still plenty of work to do. Yeah, and not pushing on and getting a bonus point, I think, will absolutely kill them. They they definitely did not look uh, good, really. There was elements of it, I thought. Uh, Ruan Quinn and uh, Adagbo both came on and had big positive impacts, and they looked a little bit more cohesive, but they didn't look aggressive. They they lost plenty of ball on the ground, which has happened a couple of times this game. I thought overall, yeah, no, it wasn't a, wasn't a great showing from them, and the fans will be happy with our win because it's points on the board, but... You really look at Zebra as one of those, like Connacht don't, because Connacht are forever not doing well away in Italy, but uh, you, they would have looked at this Zebra game as at least they'll get the bonus point win and it'll get their season somewhat on track. But no, they're still quite behind and they don't. It's, it's not showing to me there's not much signs of what they're trying to do. You know, I think with new coaches, I can kind of give them a, a like a good bit of leeway if you see signs of what they're trying to do and it not coming off. But I find it tough to work out the game plan. I think that they've had, like Connacht, a lot of individual errors, which might be stopping us from seeing the game plan come to fruition. But they don't look aggressive enough. They don't look determined enough, which is not something you'd ever say about Munster in the past. Uh, and then players that you'd really rely on to have big games, like the likes of Carberry or Murray, just aren't. Um, like Carberry, I don't, haven't been good in two games this, this season so far. Healy, I don't rate that highly as a backup to Carberry, so it's not, they've not really got a foothold in the game. It's been hard to see anything coming out of the centres at the moment and they'll be annoyed about that. So it's, yeah, it's not the best of times for them, but they are still very much in a huge transition, bringing in a whole new coach and by all accounts, their atmosphere and the, the game plan and everything didn't suit a lot of the players they had. So they're, they're relearning a really big amount of things and they're kind of doing it on the fly. They're kind of building the plane as it flies this season so they will just be looking to scrape into Europe I think they won't have any any sort of aspirations for anything higher than that they want to try and just get into that top seven or eight just to get their, their European 
position and I think that they'll find that very very difficult because you look at like the likes of Benetton are getting results the Lions are getting results uh, the, the league is going to be very tight this year it's not going to be a breakaway top six or seven I think that a lot of teams are going to start taking a lot of points off each other so it's going to be very hard to break into that if you if you're on the back foot straight away like Connick and Munster are yeah on the whole that game they, they weren't very impressive they started okay and they were awarded a try somehow I don't really get how but uh, I think it was a knock on anyway but uh, then they didn't push on and they will be very annoyed about that second half and not getting any points. Yeah, I think, look, they started slow last year and they really then built up towards the end of the year. They gathered <coughs> momentum the whole year. They'll probably end to do that this year as well, but I think realistic months fans will, won't be viewing or won't be looking for anything major this year. Again, it's more about plant or laying down the foundations for the next few years and then building off the next like, decade with with the team you have now or at least the for you know the, the the way they play the game and stuff like that. I think that's what the Munster are doing this year. But look at the, you know the 6 points after 3 games not ideal but not not terrible. Westy your views on Zebra 4 points after 3 games uh, four losing bonus points and obviously one then for for the tries. I mean obviously this point not to get a win but that's still a pretty good start for them. Yeah, I mean I think I think I made the joke that they've more points already than last season. I think they actually had eight points last season or, or, or thereabouts. Um, I think they're a much improved side. And I actually think like a lot of the talk about Munster um, has been quite disrespectful to Zebra's oppositions because I think they were they really shut Munster down in the second half and they forced them to play a game that they didn't want to play. Um, I think if Zebra had a functioning lineup, we'd be having a very different conversation right now because like their attack the, the, the try they scored was was absolutely world class like it was now it's a bit of a lucky bounce the bounce goes away from Ely and they've got two guys there but it's still a fantastic break it's still a chance that they created themselves and um like they they have what is like something like 16 players in 16 players out over the summer like they've really kind of rebuilt their structure um and i think it's absolutely fantastic to see them so competitive and and, and fronting up physically your team like monster like that's not easy like whatever you want to say about the style monster are playing or you know if you want to say they're not progressing or that they rely on whatever fair enough but these are international players these are some of the heavy hitters of irish rugby and you're going pound for pound with them like you know Peter Martin can grab you by the neck and get away with it all he wants. Like, because, you know, when you're outplaying them, you're outplaying them. Like, and how he got away with that is absolutely ridiculous, by the way. And how Munster didn't get a yellow card early on for a high tackle on the Zebra Centre, who had to go off injured because he was clotheslined in the face. Um, that was a that was a theme of a few games this weekend yeah. as well. Yeah, Henshaw but, got lucky in the Lancer game. Yeah, look, at, I, I, look I'm, I don't mean that to be anti-Munster. I just mean that, like, you know, Zebra played really well and kind of kind of should have had maybe a few more opportunities. But... I think Munster reverted a little bit to the up the jumper stuff that we kind of that we saw them do in big games last year. You know, like in the Stormers last year, we talked a lot about how they tried this dynamic game in the first half didn't work, so they went back to up the jumper and they managed to get four tries and win. Um, I think it was the similar thing against Ebre. I think they reverted to type a little bit because no more than us, they probably felt the pressure to get a win on the board. It it is, as I say, it's disappointing they couldn't kick on, but I think that probably has more to do with Zebra figuring out how to shut them down a little bit than anything else. I I, I think that saying. You know, oh, Munster should have done better. Munster should have done this. You know, it's a little bit disrespectful to Zebra, who are having a great season, who've proven in in their opening three games that they have they have big second halves. If you let them in the chance, you know, they'll take it. Um, so I'm really impressed with the way Zebra have turned around. Um, it's three tough opening tests for them as well. Don't forget. So, um, they'll definitely be reeling from it. Like they've got a lot of injuries now. It'll be interesting to see what they do this weekend if they can keep that high intensity going but as you guys have said I, I think and look the urc doesn't get enough credit really for this but I, I think the gaps have narrowed between the, the bottom of the table and the top of the table i think you're probably going to see 
a top four or a top five that do pull away, and it'll probably be South African and Irish, you know, maybe two of one and three of the other, or vice versa. Um, but I think that rest of the table will, will be quite tight if teams like Connacht can get their form together and pick up a couple of wins, and this all of a sudden gets very exciting. And I, I would love to see Zebra pick up a couple of wins because they have suffered a lot in this league for a good few years now. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm happy to see them be competitive. I just hope it doesn't all come together against us. Yeah, I know. This is the, I'm fearful, definitely, of that. Uh, yeah, absolute alpha move. I think it was the winger, was it number 11 for, for Zebra, who, who bum-tapped O'Mahony? That's ballsy move. You know what I mean? Like, I appreciate it, I respect it, but I'd say he was a little bit too jacked up, and then I think when he went face-to-face, he probably realised the mistake, mistake he had made when he went oh, up well, he, to O'Mahony. Oh, he went for him. He went fairly squared up to him, Jim. Oh, he took brilliant. It. Loved it. Loved it. Absolutely loved it. Uh, fantastic jersey as well. Uh, we like, we're liking that jersey, right? Oh, definitely. Zebra, oh, I love it. The, re, the rebranding of Zebra to Zebra Parma, and the, I think that, that blue jersey, they played us in that last year. I think that that was their third third kit last year, but that's the colours of the city, so they rebranded, and I think that they're making an effort to really just to ingrain themselves in the city and try and, you know, just just promote uh, and build and grow from there, because if you get the backing of your city and you get more interest, you get more kids playing, you get more coming through, you get more supporters, it all grows from there. So yeah, I think that they're going about the right way. And like I've, I, you know, not got any issue with them. Uh, I think that they've not, they've underperformed for years now, but they look like they're they're starting to cause a stir. And if the bottom teams can take points off the middle to high teams in the league, uh, and keep it keep everyone honest, it'll it'll make for a really interesting league. And it's why the league is so interesting this year because it was tight enough last year. Now this year it looks like it's going to be tighter again. Yeah, 100%. No, it's good. The URC has been good. Um, obviously, off the ball, I want to get rid of it, obviously. But look, that's that's a different conversation. For different they also days. don't know what they want because some weeks they're saying it's too strong and then it's too weak and then it's too far and then it's too much here. And oh, they, don't, they haven't a clue. My favourite new one is my favorite new one is them complaining about having to watch South African teams lift cups for the next three or four years. Like, you're the ones who wanted them in because nobody was competitive enough for Leinster. So, you know, can we make up our minds here? Don't bring stuff up from last year like it's relevant, Westy, okay? I'm <laughs> wondering, uh, Let's talk, let's finish on Emerging Ireland. Um, they played uh, la- on Friday, Friday morning, wasn't it? Friday, yeah, Friday, uh, lunchtime. Um, I thought, look, it, it was streamed, uh, if you watch it on, on the website. First half was a bit choppy, second half there was a freeze for about 10 minutes, and then uh, I didn't get to watch the rest of it, but... Um, Look, with the caveat of we've no idea what that team they played is like, you know, what the quality is like, um, they, they hammered them and they looked like the much better team. Let's let's take that out of the equation and, and let's just talk about what we did like. I'll start off the bat. I was hugely impressed by Crowley uh, at 10, looked incredibly comfortable at 10, looked like, you know, the, the moment wasn't too big for him. I, know I said again, caveat this, with we don't know what the moment was. Um, but I thought him, the likes of Deegan, I thought played well. Like I thought, uh, as a experiment on the whole, without all the other stuff going on, I thought it was a success. I thought you know they seem to be enjoying themselves. They seem to take a lot out of it. We, we won't know that obviously for another for another uh, t- bit of time. But uh, Westy, did you get to see it at all, or are your thoughts on it? Uh, well, I have work in the middle of the day, so obviously I didn't watch it. Uh, wink, wink. There's no. <laughs> um, I did watch it actually. Yeah, I, I thought it was good. I thought it was. Look, I, I thought it was it was an interesting team. It's interesting to see that kind of combination of players. Like, it's good to see, you know, players like Scott Penny getting a good run out. Like, I know it's not really an Ireland game, but like getting a run out in in these conditions. Like, so like Shane Daly as well, who's in and out of a, an Ireland squad, playing pretty well. 
Uh, disappointed there's no Connacht boys on the team, but you know, we I start from Keen Pendergast hanging around on the sideline, which was interesting. Um, but yeah, no, look, Great Quirks weren't a great opposition. They, you know, they're a, a lower level South African team, and even they didn't have a first team available either. So, um, yeah, so y- you can't really take a lot of, you know, maybe valuable learnings from it, but what you can. I think the really important thing to see was that this group of young players play emulated an Ireland performance pretty well. They played a pretty fast-paced game. They 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 moved the ball really well, uh, so they were able to adapt to that style. Now it'll be different when a stronger team comes against them and tries to disrupt that kind of way of play. But uh, definitely pretty promising signs, you know, to be to have the four tries scored in the first half, um, and to kind of shut Grick was down then in the second half and, and really keep it tight. Um, yeah, I thought it was really impressive. I, I I still don't know, like as you say, like if Balakun was there, if Connacht had their players. You know, I, I, the timing of the year of this tour, I'm still not a big fan of. I, I think it does pull away from the value of the URC a little bit. Um, but no, I think look, I have any opportunity to see lads play in Ireland jerseys and see us using fixtures to develop players and and combinations and stuff. I think is 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 beneficial. Um, and also that you know we're not the only ones doing this. Like a lot of other teams, you know, we have Ireland A versus a New Zealand fifteen in, in a couple of weeks. We have J- Japan fifteen versus Australia A going on. So it it definitely seems like this is kind of a framework for developing for the World Cup that a lot of a lot of teams are taking advantage of. Uh, I didn't get to see live, but I watched back the highlights. Um... So I'm not going to talk about the overall gameplay because uh, you can't get too much of a, a huge picture on gameplay just from watching highlights. But no, I thought that uh, Doak looked very good. Balakun looked good. Uh, Scott Penny just always seems to look good. There's the, the the tour in general and the team seems to be caught between two stalls. I don't think it is what the coaches would have wanted originally. I think that that's documented quite well as well, that they, they wanted a little bit more of an Ireland A-style team and the provinces kind of said no it's mid-season, the start of the season. We were told we weren't going to be losing players. So they really came to this sort of agreement where the couple of fringe players mixed with a couple of emerging up-and-coming players were there. So of the players that are there, really, uh, if you didn't get injured, Frawley, uh, Prendergast, Doak, Balakoon, Scott Penny and Joe McCarthy are the ones that you'd be... And maybe the likes of a Josh Wishley at a, a push are the ones that you'd think would probably be in the running for any sort of impact or any sort of influence into a World Cup selection. But on the whole, no, it's it's more of a, a down the line, look to the future, see how these lads work in camp and see what they can do. And then there's players like Scott Penny, Max Egan, Joe McCarthy, Doak, Balakoon, Shane Daly, who you think are maybe a little step above that as well. So it's, it's hard to know exactly what the feeling around the camp or from, from the Irish management is around the entire thing uh, with the players that they got there. So a good convincing win against Griffith's team who were in the Curry Cup final last year, they got beaten. That was a little bit of a surprise. And I think the Curry Cup was affected by the URC and the clashes and dates and the changes. So that hasn't leveled out yet. But, you know, Grikas, it was surprising that they got to the final. This Grikas team, from what I read from South African journalists, was full of a lot of debutants and non-Curry Cup players as well. So it's hard to really know what standard they were playing against. I think they're playing the Pumas this week. So that'll be a much more much more interesting test for them. And hopefully you see a couple of them push on. I'd prefer to not see Prendergast play. I know it's great to play for Ireland, but I'd prefer him to come back fit and healthy because he didn't look too fit after that Stormers game. I think he took a bit of a knock. Uh, so if himself and Dylan Tierney Martin can wrap themselves in cotton wool and get back to uh, the west of Ireland safe and sound, I'll be happy out. But nah, you'd, you're delighted for young lads and for, for Irish players to get wins in Irish jerseys. You know, that, that's a, 
something that none of us have ever experienced and very few do get to experience. So I think they will be loving it, being out there and being in that atmosphere and that environment. But yeah, from, from my annoyed Connacht standpoint, I, I think it's a bit of a strange tour. And I think it's even the, the it's non-international. It's not like challenge teams against other international challenge teams or selects against selects. It's playing against club teams in a weird made-up tournament that Toyota put on. Uh, it's a bit strange one. I'll watch with interest if I can during work times, but if not, I'm not going to be too disappointed about missing it. I think, I think Prendergast is just one of those players that will always look like he went through 12 rounds with Tyson after a game. He just always looks like he's been kicked the shit out of. Um, we'll wrap it up there, boys. Uh, thanks, as always, for coming on. Um, we will see you uh, at Sports Ground on Friday night, back for some live rugby, apart from Sam. Uh, we will look forward to that. As I said we will be hopefully more positive next week, um, and hopefully reporting on a win or at least a good performance. Uh, but until then, boys, we'll chat you then. Bye.